I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. Today, we are talking to coach and Summer Spine South winner, Tim Pickett from HP3 Coaching. Hello, Tim. How are you doing today? Good good to be back again. Good to see you again. How are you doing? Yes, I am good, um, but I have had a bit of disappointing news, um, which I probably should have checked before I launched um, this to everybody. Um, but yeah, uh, um, I'll probably have to keep repeating this throughout the broadcast as people join. But I emailed Mark Laithwaite, who's the organiser of the Montaigne Lakeland 100, which I started training for, and, and he emailed back just immediately saying, um, everybody's got to... Um, adhere to these requirements and I thought that I'd be okay because I've previously done loads of ultra running in the Bob Graham and lots of multi-day races and I thought yeah I've got the experience but I didn't realize that the experience has to be within 2020 and 2022 so mm. there's no way that I've done a 50 mile race <laughs> within that time frame because um, I was pregnant and also it was COVID um, I was pregnant and I had a baby so mm. I just um, and then, uh, so so I'm 99% sure that Mark's not going to let me do the Lakeland 100. I'm sure that they'll let me do the 50 because, you know, that's open to a lot more people and everyone can do that one pretty much. Um, but then I did feel very relieved because I was starting to get a bit worried about it. And I, I just really understand that those types of constraints are there for a reason. Um, and so maybe that's why I'm feeling so relieved. But with that in mind... Um, I just wanted to chat a bit more about 100 milers and how to choose the first one that's right for you because obviously Lakeland 100 was, even if they let me in, it was going to be a bit of a big ask for the first 100 miler. So I just thought today we could go through um, what you did for your first 100 miler, um, why people are even attracted to this distance in the first place, why you're attracted to it um, and just bits about how it differs from um, 50 milers and... um, 
what kinds of races you should do in the build-up to your first 100 miler. Um, so yeah, I'm still looking for my first 100 miler. So I have made actually a massive spreadsheet of about 20 of them in the UK, which I will yeah. share with patrons only. So if you want that exclusive spreadsheet, then do sign up to follow me on Patreon. <laughs> um, so Tim, um, what was your first 100 miler and why did you even decide to go for that distance? So I think the 100 mile distance is somewhat iconic, isn't it now? Um, uh, I, I talk about the, the sort of uh, evolution of endurance running uh, and endurance sport particularly. So in the 80s, it was, could you run a marathon? You know, that was a, a long way to go. That was going to be a massive challenge. Could you do it? And then we realised, well, actually, yes, as long as you do enough running, you can run a marathon. And then the 90s, it was, could you do a triathlon? Because that seemed crazy to swim, bike and run. And again, people realised that, yes, if you train, you can do a triathlon. So then it evolved again into, could you do an Ironman triathlon? And then we're sort of moving away from that now. And, and there's a big question is, you know, can you run an ultramarathon? And the big thing about an ultramarathon, you know, the really scary concept is, can you run 100 miles? You know, any distance, any number is an arbitrary number, but 100 miles is obviously a long way. And we always do these things because we don't know if we can. And they're supposed to be scary and they're supposed to be unknown. If if you were guaranteed to finish and have a good performance, are you motivated to necessarily do these things? You know, we're looking to push ourselves. So so I think that's where the sort of 100 mile idea comes from. And that's certainly, you know, what uh, what sort of motivated me was, could I actually do it? Um, in terms of picking your first, um, it's it's tricky because it depends on what motivates you really. And you were asking me the question sort of in, in the lead up to today's chat about, you know, what's what's the easiest hundred miler you could choose? <laughs> as, as yeah, it's just like for your first one, are there easy, like in massive inverted commas, yeah. are there even easy hundred milers? And from my spreadsheet, it definitely looks like there's definitely some that are way harder than others. I know it's going to be hard across the board, but, you know, there's ways yeah. of making things hard for yourself. <laughs> so I would say there's no such thing as an easy hundred miler at all. Yeah. There are harder 100 milers, there are extremely hard 100 milers, and there are insanely hard 100 milers. But I wouldn't say there's an easy 100 miler. However, I'm a firm believer that anybody with sufficient time, training, resources can do a 100 miler. Wow. Um, it, it's not that even 100 miles is beyond the capability of, you know, of your average Joe. You know, anybody can do it. You just need the resources and the time availability to, to put enough training in to, to be in a safe place to undertake something like this. There are obviously races where you get a lot more support in terms of, you know, aid stations, crews, things like that. And there are 100 milers where you are largely self-sufficient and you've got to carry everything yourself. And, and therefore you're, you know, your pack weight is going to be significantly higher. Uh, you know, the spine race, as you mentioned there, that I did the, the Challenger South last year, you ought to carry quite a considerable amount of kit versus maybe something else where there's you know, more regular aid stations, you're not needing to carry so much of your own food and, uh, and water and things like that, which 
certainly takes away some of the the challenge. People often then come back to the sort of terrain and is a is a flat hundred miler going to be easier? And I would say no because oh that's interesting. Yeah, I mean there are some very flat hundred milers. You can do track races if you really want. Oh God. <laughs> The thing with flatter races is there's less incentive to walk. Mm-hmm. And of course, when we're talking about ultramarathon running, we shouldn't really use the word running because it's more fast hiking with a bit of jogging when you can fit it in. And whenever there's an incline, whenever it goes you know, up, you walk. So, of course, if there's not very much up, there's not a lot of incentive to walk and you try and maybe run more than you would naturally do. So actually a sort of a, a more undulating or even hilly 100 miler could actually be slightly less um, challenging on the, on the body than a, than a flat one. Oh, that's very interesting to think yeah, about. So, yeah. You know, I, I've certainly felt more beaten up from a running a hard marathon, you know, really going for a PB road marathon than I have running 100 miles. Yeah. Well, you know, undulating, softer terrain. Yeah, I could see it's that because when I was doing my half marathons um, to get back to training in the, the latter part of last year, yeah. I was like broken for about a week after both of them. And exactly. I just thought, how am I ever going to run like 100 miles? Like, yeah. I'm broken just by running 13 on tarmac. Um, yeah. But yeah, if, if you're just bimbling around then yeah. and just jogging and walking, then maybe it's a bit easier in inverted commas in inverted commas it uh, again Different. i'd probably, I'd shy away from the word easy mm. but i'll probably use i'll probably say it's less painful uh-huh in painful in different ways maybe in, like as well i mean there's you know you're out there for obviously a long time so you're dealing with nutrition you're dealing with potentially sleep deprivation if you're doing a very mountainous one, you know, you might be going through, you know, two nights and then you might be dealing with, you know, um, hallucinations and things like that and all those kind of fun, fun aspects of, of ultra running. Uh, but it's just, I think the sort of physical pain can be different, can be, obviously it depends on, on the kind of terrain you're doing. So I get, you asked me earlier on there, so it was, possibly skipping ahead your your first question was you know what was my first 100 miler and my motivation um well my first 100 miler start i, I dnf'd so that i went out to to do monte rosa ultra ultra tour monte rosa yeah um and it was okay so well if i'm doing a 100 miler i'm going to do a really hard one in the mountains yeah and i underestimated how hard it was uh, <laughs> yeah uh, maybe overestimated what the support and uh, aid station was going to be, aid station resources were going to be, uh, and wasn't carrying my own, enough of my own nutrition. Um, so essentially just ran out of gas. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really I was, glad to hear that, Tim. Like, I regard you as like, you know, you've won the Summer Spine Challenger South, and I'm just like, I look up to you in terms of training and fitness in every way possible. So I'm really, really pleased to hear that, and not, yeah. not in a cackling way, but I just, it's really heartening to know that even you, with all your experience and your, like, really good fitness and you know excellent head around all these train all the preparation that you have to do even you d- 
you know didn't do your first one so yeah maybe yeah. I should sign up to my first one and not well I don't expect to finish you you shouldn't expect no, you to finish don't. maybe your first 100. No, again I you know you learn more from your mistakes than your successes I would say um I went out to race that and I was sick in the week leading up to it so I, you know, I had a, just a head cold but again you know carrying a head cold and then going to race 100 miles in the mountains that wasn't yeah. great but of course I, I invested a vast amount in time and energy and, and everything else just to get to that start line so I was going to start and, and just see how I got on and in the end I, you know obviously I didn't finish I got to I got to 86 miles wow that's brilliant so my my second inverted commas 100 miles uh was the lady Anne way okay uh, which was uh, a race last january yes so it goes from skipton up to penrith uh in fact the 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 mapping wasn't brilliant so it wasn't actually 100 miles it was about 97 98 miles so oh never mind <laughs> i'm sure you did a few going to registration and back yeah ish um so <coughs> But I, I went into that one with a pure focus of I've just got to finish this mm-hmm. and far more prepared, more aid stations, very well stocked aid stations, great support. So everything was laid up for success there. And, you know, it's a nice undulating course up through the, the Yorkshire Dales. So I've spotted that one wasn't on your spreadsheet. So I no, would add one it in. Wasn't. Um, they just ran the a, a shorter version just last weekend the 75 mile version run by uh now for adventure okay so it's called the lady anne way is it lady anne way uh, okay. so uh mel uh, stevenson is running the 100 mile version next year okay and that'll be going the opposite direction going from penrith to skipton cool. and it's a stunning route if, so if you're looking for a, a hundred yeah. mile race in you know midwinter what time of year is that? Sorry, it'll be January. Oh, okay, January. So but, it's a, yeah. you know, a midwinter hundred miler. Yeah. What an interesting course that's challenging but not crazy. It's just undulating through mm. the Yorkshire Dales essentially, mm. coming in Yorkshire Dales. Uh, so I'd, I'd thoroughly recommend that one. Okay, uh, I'll so. add it to my spreadsheet. Um, yeah. For anyone who's just joined, I have made a spreadsheet of the UK's, well, a lot of the UK's 100 milers. There are now 20 on the list. So I'll definitely be sharing this spreadsheet with patrons because once I, when I was trying to look for other 100 milers I could do that weren't the Lakela 100, it turns out most of them have got pretty stringent entry requirements as well, obviously. Yeah. yeah, for very good reasons and totally respect that. So all of them, I will, would have had to do a 50 miler at some point. So unless I whip one out of the bag over the next couple of months, which I could do, but I don't think I'm really properly there yet. So I don't want to rush it. There's no rush. Um, so a lot of them have this 50 mile requirement. Um, but I was looking at lots of different ones, like for maybe June time or something like that. And mm-hmm. I realized that there's, there's a lot of variation in when they start. Some of them start like midday on Friday. Some um, 8 a.m. on Saturday. The, I was looking at the, um, especially the West Highland Way um, yeah. Ultra, well, the West Highland Way race, um, yes. because of John Kiniston, who used to do some work on the channel as well. He was really, he was really like his heart was really involved in that. Um, that so I thought oh that would be a great homage to him to do that race. But it starts at 1 a.m. on Saturday, and that's just crazy. Like either start at six or start in the morning because you're not going to sleep that night, are you? 
So yeah, it was just a really varied selection of start times. And I just thought, well, I probably want to start, choose one that starts at like eight o'clock on a Saturday. Cause then I, I don't know, will I, would I just be going through one night then presumably rather than two? I've just got this fear now of running through two nights. So I don't know which time frame to pick. Like that's now a factor in choosing my first one. It is all about um, trying to calculate how many nights people are going to go through. So depending on the, you know, your expected finish time, depending on the challenge, you know, in terms of the elevation profile. So obviously uh, more elevation likely is going to be taking you a lot longer. And therefore, how does that then impact on how many nights you're going through? So it's not uncommon for these longer races to be starting at, you know, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, like you say, one o'clock in the morning. So 10, 11 at night or one o'clock in the morning so that you're, you know, running through that first night, but then you've got full day ahead to then get it finished and hopefully finishing before it gets dark again and not going through that second night. Ah, is that what they're anticipating then? Because I was just thinking, oh goodness me, I'm going to be finishing on the Sunday morning and <laughs> I'm going to have missed two nights sleep and I haven't even been running <laughs> from... Yeah. And again, it's... <laughs> To be fair, some of it is also around the sort of front end of the field and when they're more likely to finish and mm, on the yeah. side of that so that they're not, you know, the, the winners aren't finishing at three o'clock in, in the morning. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. no around to see them. Yeah. So there is that element as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just looking at that and I was also looking at the cutoff times because from my chart, I can see, you know, like there's there's anything from the Long Distance Walkers Association annual 100 mile challenge where you get 48 hours to do your 100 to something like the South Downs Way 100 where you only get 30 hours because yes. um, you're supposed to be running it, not walking it. Um, yeah, so I was looking at cutoff times and I think yeah, that um, must be quite something to look for. It, from doing your first definitely is it's a question of and i think i did see on your patron channel somebody was asking the question about you know cutoffs and being concerned about you know being ahead of those cutoffs and i i coached somebody for utmb she ran it last year after dnfing the, the year previously because she missed the cutoff mm -hmm. and obviously that was a, a big concern for her it was all about getting to a her into a fitness level and into a situation where we knew that being ahead of those cutoffs wasn't uh, going to be an issue for her we knew that she was going to be safe but also putting lots of planning in place in terms of um, her knowledge of time splits and where she needed to be at certain times was she could just mentally go oh yeah i've got an hour in the bag oh yeah i've got two hours in the bag yeah. and just having that knowledge then just took anxiety away mm. so i had a another athlete who was racing last weekend another hundred miler uh, over in the states and unfortunately I think no. I just lost internet there. Something went wrong just for a second there. There was a beeping sound. You're back now, I haven't though. got sound. Technical oh, no. difficulties. <laughs> oh, can you not hear what I'm saying? What's um, happening? 
Oh, sound coming back. Oh, good. Can you hear okay. me now? There we go. Oh, sorry okay. about that. Well, I just <laughs> lost internet there for a second. Okay. Uh, uh, you're back where, now. That's where, did I, where did I drop off? Um, I think it was. Um, you were just talking about a lady that had done the UTMB and she had to get her head in gear, and then you were just talking about the next person. Okay, so yeah, so I had somebody else who was racing a hundred miler last weekend, but for different reasons, she ended up DNFing that race. But along with that, she had also started to get confused around the cutoffs and thought that she was behind schedule, whereas actually she was about an hour ahead of the cutoffs. Oh, no. So she just got confused around that, and that was um, maybe a sort of contributing reason for, for then not managing to, to finish the race. So what I always recommend is you, you've got sort of flashcards, so just in a pocket of your, your race vest, it just have a, a series of little flashcards to break that race down into segments. Mm. But then also you've got your time split. So you, you open it up and it's right for the next five miles or seven miles, 10 miles, I've got to get to this point. Yeah, by this time. By this time of day, ah. I'm expecting it to take me this amount of hours, minutes, I'm, expect, I'm planning on eating and drinking these bits of food, drink, whatever it's going to be. So it's all written down. So no matter how tired you are and how much your brain starts to go, it's just written down, oh, I, I can see what the time is. I can see where I need to be. Boom, yeah. it just takes away any of that yeah. fear. Oh, that's such a great idea. Because when yeah. I was looking at all this, I was thinking, blimey, there's just a lot to take in. And even once you've chosen your first one, it's like a full time job, just like, you know, getting all the kit sorted and then all this timing business. And, you know, you go through, you look at the list of checkpoints and they've all got a time cut off on. And it does seem very complicated, seem just compared to your normal marathon where you just go out and just jog around for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not relaxing, is it? <laughs> what you need to do is plan everything in advance so if you've if you've planned it all out it's written down like i say i i just laminate little flashcards. so no matter how tired my brain is if i'm not thinking straight i can just pull it out my pocket look at it okay fine put it away again off we go so prior you know, prior preparation prevents <clears throat> poor performance yes yeah so, <laughs> advance and then the race goes smoothly because there is no thinking involved yeah and and i suppose another aspect um to thinking about choosing your first 100 miler is the time of year as well because i know you've suggested this the new one the lady Anne way um mm. in january i've noticed that there's quite a few in january you've got your spine challenger south yeah. you've got your arc of attrition and then lady Anne way um then there's tons in may there's mm. like literally like Yep. like five or six in may and then and then loads in june millions in june couple in july one in august one in september one in october one in november i can't find any in december i haven't like done an extensive extensive search but i can't really find any in december i can't really find any in february march april so um it's just funny isn't it that most people seem to think that you should be running a hundred miler either in the new year <laughs> or <laughs> or in the summer <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it's it's the you know midwinter is if you're going to do a hundred miler, well, make it a hard one and, and <laughs> add in the complications of the weather. Um, but of course, the summer ones aren't necessarily easier in terms of weather because you could be dealing with significant temperature in terms of you know heat. Yeah. So a very hot one could add 
significant challenge in terms of dehydration, access to enough water. So when I did the, the Challenger last year, mm. it was it was a warm one. It was in the sort of towards the end of a, a bit of a heat wave. There wasn't a lot of water out on the course in terms of stream. A lot of the streams had dried up and, you know, what streams they were, were, you know, a bit of muddy trickles and you didn't really want to be drinking that. Mm. So, you know, you end up then carrying more water and water is, is heavy. Mm. So, you know, that that does then play into it as well. Whereas obviously a winter one, you don't necessarily necessarily need to carry as much because there's more out there on the course that you can mm. access. Yeah. So, it is really interesting because with Lakeland 100, with the heat wave that we had this year just gone, I was getting really worried about it being in July as well because I was just yeah. thinking, if it's 40 degrees, I, I'm toast. I'm ginger. I'm not surviving yeah. that. <laughs> like, I'll I have remember to I DNF. did like 50, um, oh, goodness me, what year was that? Maybe 2015, I think, something like that. Um, and it was a hot one then. And, yeah, absolutely, you know, you're going literally from aid station to aid station and just just getting there in time to refill all your bottles and there wasn't a lot of out there so little streams to to refill from so yeah yeah it, it really depends on you know what suits you better uh, are you somebody that does well in the heat in which case obviously a summer one's gonna be maybe yeah better for you if you know that you really struggle in the heat then maybe picking an early season uh, longer race is gonna be better for you yeah there's so many factors and, and that's why I just ended up making this spreadsheet because I just thought, oh goodness me, I need to just look at them all, like all the ascents, I've got I've got the, the, the date, I've got the mileage because it's not all 100, some are 108, some are 110, some are 97 <laughs> and, and some like, you know, the spine challenge, I, I, I forgot to read this out earlier, it goes, it's 60 hours that you get for that one and then you've got 28 for something like the Thames Path um, and the prices, wildly different, Find Challenger South, I think next year it's going to be £475 potentially. Mm. Whereas you've got the um, Long Distance Walking Association's annual 100 miler, that's £115. Um, yes. And the GB Ultras are all £169. Yes. Um, Centurion running ones are always £215. Um, mm. And it just sometimes it doesn't reflect what aid stations you get either because the GB Ultras get you get loads of aid stations. Mm -hmm. um, they seem really good value for money, and so did Centurion Running's one. Whereas yes. West Highland Way Race, it's 122 pounds, but you've got to take your own crew and start at yeah. 1 a.m. <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 really interesting to make this spreadsheet, and yep. um, I think. I, I, I do want to do a hundred miler. I just, um, I've not really wanted to do one before, but it's the distance that I haven't done out of all mm. the distances. I've done 65 miles and there's not many 80 mile races. So I just, I just thought, oh yeah, a hundred miler, I, I want to experience it because it's just completely different to a 50, isn't it? It's it is. just, can you, can you sort of put into words how it differs from to a 50? I know it's longer, but how, how, how different is it to doing a 50 miler? Yeah. So a 50 miler, you're expecting yourself to, to run a lot of that. Yeah. Okay. Whereas a hundred miler, you're expecting yourself to walk most of it, I would say. Okay. There's obviously... You know, the, 
obviously the, the you know the races that I've done I've been you know trotting steady you know steady running those those kind of hundred milers but for most people it, it's it's more kind of flipping it around that it's a a fast hike with a bit of running when you go into up to the hundred miles uh-huh. whereas a, a, a fifty miler you're going to try and run a lot of that and then fast hike the bits that are uphill and and you need to yeah the you know 50 miler you're doing that in a day 100 miler it's going to be going over into the second day so you're dealing with sleep deprivation a 50 miler you can do on drink and gels and and simple stuff like that 100 miler you've got to bring real food into it Mm -hmm. um so there's the you know nutritional components into there it again it depends on sort of navigation as well oh yes i forgot to mention navigation (laughs) absolutely some of these are going to be simpler in terms of navigation they might be very well marked uh, other ones are going to be far more complicated in terms of, of navigation. So, you know, that, that needs to come into it as well. You know, the 100 miler is, in, you know, it is really all up up here. It's your decision making, it's your mental strength. Whereas, you know, 50 miler, there's a bigger emphasis on your physical fitness. The mental obviously is still a very, very big part of that. But I've, I've done reasonably well at 100 mile races I am not the fittest fastest strongest person out there my success has been down to making the right decisions at the right time so you know there's there's that that comes into it as well when when you're going longer yeah yeah, yeah. I, th- I kind of feel like you can put up with a few more things at 50 miles like you know like maybe yeah. you've got a niggle or a blister or you know you feel a bit sick but 100 you've got to like put up with it and come out the other side as well like you can't allow yeah. things to get too far because you've got to do it things all over again go wrong it's not a case of you can have a perfect race something will go wrong at least one thing will go wrong mm-hmm. in and on so those who do well are those that can problem solve on the fly so again it's all about that planning and preparation uh it's we talk about actions on so you've you've already thought through everything that could go for that so that when it does go wrong boom we just do this boom we just do that yeah whereas you know in a in a shorter distance race you know Whereas, oh, sorry, you broke up. Miler, oh, sorry, you broke up a little bit are... there, Tim. Sorry, you broke up a little bit there, Tim. Can you repeat the sorry, sorry. last bit that you were saying? So, just saying that in a fifty miler, mm. we might we might expect something to go wrong, but you might just be able to battle through and still get to that finish line. Oh, we have bad connections. Oh, is it? Is it my end? Oh, it says I've got full bars. Don't. I am only on a couple of bars. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry about this. I can hear you now. Well, it's all the fun of a live yeah. broadcast. <laughs> Indeed. 
Yeah, um, yeah. So you can sort of battle on um, in the fifty miler, but a hundred, you've really got to either yeah. sort it out or put up with it, and then come out the other side as well. Yeah, it it really is. Yeah. It's a big jump, isn't it? And I'm thinking maybe yes, do the Lakeland fifty and prepare for doing that in under sixteen hours, which is what you need to do to then qualify to do the 100 the following year. So I can't hang about on the 50 miles, just having a lovely time and taking a lovely film. So that's what I will train for as my A race this year. But then um, then I need to maybe, maybe I could do an 80 miler um, just to sort of jump up. I was just thinking maybe 80 miles would be a good step up. Maybe, yeah, maybe 75, 80 miles. Um, before doing the Lakeland 100 or is it just a case of doing a few more 50s just wasn't sure whether yeah whether uh, doing an 80 miler sorry, like sorry, something sorry. like the hard moors or something oh sorry I think you're back now yeah so I do keep having some internet issues apologies about this um, it, yeah 80 miles is another really good stepping stone that you can learn the craft of these these longer races so the Hardmores series, yes, they've got uh, a number of races in that distance. Another one, uh, which I know has got entries available, is the Ridgeway Challenger. Okay. Ridgeway Challenge. Ridgeway Challenge, isn't it? I should think is 86 miles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've done that um, over three days, um, three times, actually, at the, in the Druids Challenge, that Ridgeway path. Yes. So I did see yeah. that and I just thought, oh, not again. <laughs> and that's the other thing I wanted to mention with choosing the first 100 miler um, and 50s really as well, would be to, to choose something that really inspires you because there's a couple that, like there's one that I could do after the Lakeland one, uh, Lakeland 50. So presuming that I was successful in that, I could enter um, the the Autumn 100 um, yes. with Centurion running. But it's it's 25 miles of out and back four times in four different directions. And, just, yeah, yeah. and that just doesn't appeal to me at all. Okay. And there's mm. also... There's also a Centurion, um, not a Centurion, it's called the Minotaur Challenge. Um, yeah. And that's on, that's a one mile loop that just goes yeah. around and around. There's also really near me, there's the Grim Reaper um, yeah. where you could do a hundred miles, but that's a 10 mile path. And just yeah. stuff like that, just, I don't think I could do it just because it just doesn't appeal to me at all. It doesn't ignite yeah. any passion in me. Um, the Lakeland 100 does. And mm. this, this race, it's a new one. It's called the Dartmoor Way 100 and it's mm. in November. Um, you get 34 hours and there's six aid stations, but it's a circular route on this new Dartmoor Way. And that just appeals. You've got to navigate and that really appeals to me. Um, mm. So I think you've got to do I've, a lot of athletes I've talked to in the past um, about picking the best ultra for you, like Scott Jorex said, pick one that inspires mm. you. Um, and I think that's that's definitely a very, very valid because running out and back, I'm just, I'd just be like, oh God, I've got to run a marathon, I've got to run there and turn around, then there and turn around, then there and turn around. Then I, I just don't know, but it just doesn't inspire me in the same way yes. that seeing the lake, lakes does or yeah. seeing Dartmoor does. Absolutely. You, you need to understand why you're, you're entering this. And you and I talked about this in the past, about your sort of zero to our zero to ultra series, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I talked about this sort of why are you entering these events? And so we need to have a very clear motivation for this. And that's up to you. It's, it's 
picking somewhere, maybe a destination that you want to go and explore. Yeah, like Dartmoor. Um, I haven't hardly ever run in uh, Dartmoor. Yeah, there you go. And it's so, a new way as well. It, it's a new route. And then there's a exactly. there's one that GB Ultras do as well called Ultra Scotland 100 Miler. That's in June, um, so I'm not sure about that one. But it wouldn't be too hot, and it's on the Southern Uplands Way, which is a new um, a part, a new national trail that they've just opened up or, or something like that. There was something new about it, and I just thought, oh, that looks great as well. So it's definitely about adventure and ex exploration for me, not just the fact that I've run 100 miles out and back. It's mm. got to be a journey. So that's good to know as well, I suppose. Yeah, although, I mean, the race that I you know tend to do is more kind of point to point. You know, you're going oh, yeah. somewhere. Mm, yeah, that makes sense in my head. But I also see the attraction of, for example, the Autumn One Hundred, mm. which I think I've not done it. I was looking to do it actually last year, but but that one also is attractive to me because it's mentally easier to break down into segments. Mm. You've only got to go and run 20, 25 miles. Yeah. And then you go out and do another 25 miles. Yeah. And then you go out and do another. So it's easier just to go into that kind of goldfish bowl of, I'm only doing this small little thing, mm. which then builds up. It's easier in terms of, I shouldn't be using that word easier, should I? But it, logistically, you've got more support. There's loads of aid stations. You're coming back to your own drop bag where you can get yeah. resupplies with your stuff so things like that can can make life less complicated for you yeah so that you know that could be a real attraction that mm. you can you can do that it's something again you know you can have your family friends at that central hub that could you know you could see them more frequently that might be an attraction yeah and so could you enter 100 with the idea of getting to 80 and just seeing, seeing how you felt? You know, like if there wasn't an 80 miler, because there's not that many of them, if there wasn't an 80 miler in the time frame, in the place that you wanted, do you think it would be mm. a good idea for like, for say, like if I decided to enter the Autumn 100 and, and but had the goal of 80 in my mind? Like, is that something you ever recommend people do? because um oh a little glitch in the matrix um i'm going to say no because it um you've frozen i don't know if i've frozen hello i you froze just a sec there are you back yeah yeah so I would say I would say no to sort of planning a DNF. Really? Because oh, that's interesting as well. Because you're, you're taking a place off somebody else who maybe want, you know, is really keen to do that. These races all sell out. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be entering something with... Um, and you don't manage to finish. But I think that's different to a planned DNF and it's, it's maybe disrespectful to the race organisers and other people who are very keen to do those races. Yeah, OK. Yeah. So it's a bit naughty, isn't it, to, mm. to take up a space? Yeah. OK. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't planning to do that anyway. 
honest. <laughs> um, cool. Well, um, I think we've covered a good amount of chit chat about the um, how to choose your first 100 miler. I hope everyone feels a bit more kind of clued in. And if you do want to become a patron, I will share with you my amazing spreadsheet and I will add the Lady Anne Way into there as well based on Tim's recommendation. And um, we've got a few patron questions now um, for Tim. Um, um, if anybody's got any questions, do just comment in the um, the chat below. Like when the live chat ends, then if you've got any more questions for me or Tim, then just put them in the YouTube comments below, and um, one of us will get back to you. But we've got a question about 200 milers here um, from from Kurt, who lives in the USA, um, and he says. Can you point me to some good content for training for really long races? He's got an athlete that will be tackling the Tahoe 200 this June. He hasn't run it or coached someone to that distance, so he's looking for additional advice and info. So, yeah, have you got like a couple of golden points that you could give to Kurt there? It is about just building the, the, the time on feet. So it's having some, some big weekends where you're just going out and hiking for three days solid um and and learning the the tactics on when it comes to nutrition but sleep management you know when are you going to sleep where are you going to sleep how long are you going to sleep for so it's it's building that in it's taking your your traditional maybe sort of more 100 mile type training plan stretching it out a little bit longer to build in some of these bigger weekends where you are testing your your skill set for being on your feet for uh, for multiple days really that's that's the sort of key difference you can't you can't run more in training it's not a case of you know you do let's say 70 miles a week for a 100 miler so you do 100 miles a week for a 200 miler it's not necessarily about more volume overall but it's about developing the skill set for being on your feet not just for one to two days but it's going to be for you know three days four days non-stop that's the kind of skill set you're looking to develop so if your athletes used to doing a lot of kind of through hiking if it's an american athlete you know it's, it's working on that through hiking type skill set so rather than being as a, a pure runner in terms of resources um you could be looking at you know, there are there are training plans out there so if you you know explore some of the so the training peaks stores um you know i've i've got some example plans uh, i don't think they're visible on my training peak store but i know a couple of my colleagues they do have those sort of 200 mile type training plans available if you're coaching yourself then again it's maybe talking to some of the other coaches um over in the states the first name that jumps into my head is um david roach who i know he's worked with people doing sort of much longer distance races like that um there are a you know network of other people so it is a case of you know maybe having a call with with a couple of other coaches um if you're part of the training peaks network then put a message out there and you know there are a few of us out there that are coaching these type of people more than happy to, to share ideas and bounce ideas around um, another colleague of mine who I do a lot of work with um, is Doug Stewart. You know, again, spine race runner, done the full distance. Um, you know, he's got a lot of experience with with these type of things as well. So, you know, there are people out there. So, yeah, get in touch and have a chat. 
Mm, thank you very much, Tim. I hope that helped you out, Kurt. Um, and we've got a, another question um, from Arnold, um, patron Arnold. So he says, what is the minimum amount of time that you'd give for rest and recovery between ultras? Now, that's a good one, and that's one we didn't even touch on, did we, um, as part of choosing the first 100? Um, mm. Because it would be the first. <laughs> How many should you do in, in one year, I yeah. suppose? Again, it all depends on, on you as an individual as to how well you recover and how much experience you've got. You know, as with all of these things, the more you do them, the more your body learns about the challenge and can recover quicker. Mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, I mean, again, you can be looking at some of the elites and, you know, some of them are, are knocking out multiple hundred milers in quite quick succession. But not all of us, very few of us, are like Courtney DeWalter or uh, Killing Journey or, or people like that. So, you know, you might be looking at one at the start of a season and another one later on in the season in terms of, you know, big ultras, you know, really peaking maybe just twice in a season. It might only be once in a season. It really depends on what other demands you've got on your time and how much you can dedicate to this. Mm, yeah. But... You know, recovery, if you go down the old old saying of, you know, a day per mile of race, you, you could be looking at a good few months recovery after something like a 100 miler. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I suppose just listen to your own body then is the key yes. there. And don't, mm. there's no rush to come back super quickly. I mean, unless you're an elite athlete, there really is no rush, really, apart from the pressure exactly. you put on yourself. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope that helped you, Arnold. I hope that you're listening to this. Um, I've got a question from Mike, um, who's over in the Isle of Man. I will be seeing him at the uh, Manx Mountain Marathon um, in April, which is not too far away now. He's got a, a question about training with weights. He's doing this 18-week progressive program, um, and he feels like he's hit enough weight in terms of upper body lifting, um, but the program wants him to progress further. Um, so he's just saying does he assume that as runners there's such a thing as too much bulk um there's a typo on there it says touch bulk but we we think it means too much bulk so mm -hmm. yeah i mean yeah upper body lifting is is that yeah. going to be detrimental it depends on the demands of the race so if your race is involving you carrying quite a lot of kit so a heavy pack you're going to need a bit more shoulder bulk to take the load of that pack mm -hmm. you're going to need more sort of upper and lower back strength to take the load of your of your running pack you know i've seen people dnf in the spine race because they couldn't deal with the weight of the pack their legs were fine but their shoulders were destroyed ah. from carrying the pack um if you're using running poles for example then yes running poles will make you more efficient and they'll help you only if you've got sufficient upper body strength so you do need a reasonable amount of, of strength however he's asking the question about bulk um and there is no getting away from the fact that you know you want to be your power to weight ratio needs to be optimum whatever that whatever that is and that's a very complicated question so your strength training doesn't want to be focusing on hypertrophy, so making 
bigger and bigger muscles. Yeah, like Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of yeah. style. Yeah. So if you're doing a, a strength program, it needs to be very specific to your needs. There may be an early hypertrophy phase where you are looking to maybe add a little bit of muscle bulk. But then, yes, yeah, certainly there is such a thing as maybe too much bulk. So the strength needs to then shift to more strength and maybe strength power or muscular endurance and not around muscle bulking and muscle hypertrophy. Yeah. It all comes down to your sets and reps. So the weight might be going up, but because of the programming of the percentage of your one rep max, the number of repetitions you're lifting the stimulus will not be around bulking but more around strength and power and that's that's different so it's worth exploring that one and just checking you know who's written this this training plan is it specifically for your needs uh, or does that it's tailoring slightly differently um and again if you need help with that um i've got morgan our strength and conditioning coach as part of hp3 and she can uh, certainly customize a, a strengthening training plan for you if needed ah brilliant cool sign up for that then mike that seems to be your answer just there um yeah that would be brilliant um yeah if anybody does want to book tim for any coaching just check out the hp3 coaching website there's um there's a whole team available there um, to coach you to your goals and i just uh, having a coach and following a training plan is like following their training plan is one of the best things you can do as a as a sort of recreational runner to boost your performance in like in my experience <laughs> it's just it just makes you um it just brings out the best in you doesn't it it does, it does. Yeah. yeah um and then uh, a final question from patrons we've got james um who he says um so he he's doing this HR training. He signed up for a 50k in October, so that will be his first ultra. Um, and he, he says he's got plenty of time to train, but he he says he wants to know how quickly heart rate training shows meaningful results because the internet is a bit um, vague. So he's written another thing here because um, he's he's training with using his heart rate he's i think he's doing maffetone training um yep. so it's it's only been two years since he was last running properly because he mm -hmm. had an illness and an injury but he's saying that he's doing maffetone training with hr so he's running at a really low heart rate but he's saying he's saying at the moment he can barely break out of a walk before he hits his maffetone hr um um, mm. training beats per minute so mm -hmm. i'm guessing it's like i don't know like 120 or something um but yeah how long Will it take for him to be running at that heart rate? Yeah, so this is maybe a kind of a much broader question. Um, in short, you do need to persevere and it can take it can take months to really build that up. Uh, and those who do persevere with that very low heart rate, you know, they do report good successes. The criticism of maffetone is it is just an arbitrary number that you're picking mm -hmm. um, and doesn't necessarily match your zone if you're talking, talking about a three zone model in your zone one uh, below that first ventilatory threshold if you're talking about a, a five zone model they talk about you know staying in zone two that again aerobic zone so it really depends on where your specific upper 
upper limit of your aerobic zone is, where that first ventilatory threshold is. So if you're really struggling to, to keep your heart rate in that so-called mafetone zone, it may be that's not right for you. Um, and it'd probably be better to, to maybe do a little bit of testing to work out where your aerobic zone is, where that, up, that first ventilatory threshold is. So that is, are you talking about zone one there? So if we're talking about three zone model, we're talking about zone one. Mm-hmm. And that's the chatting uh, pace, is it? Yeah, so essentially it's just chatting, chatting, running nice and easy. Um, you could you could breathe only through your nose. That's another useful way to keep you in that easy aerobic zone. As soon as you're working hard enough that you need to open your mouth to breathe and that nose breathing alone isn't enough, you're going too hard, so slow down. So it might be you just need to explore with that. And in terms of you know persevering with it, yeah, persevere with, with building that aerobic base with a slow, steady running. Yes, that probably means walking any uphills, but it will pay dividends in the end. So those who can sort of run at a very easy pace at that so-called mafetone zone, staying you know below math, great. If you're starting from a very low level of fitness, you might find that math is just going walking to start with. But if you've been doing that for some time, and still find you can't break out of a walk, then it might be that actually your your numbers are wrong and it'd be worth using another measure to keep you in that that easy domain, the, um, like I say, zone one, zone two, depending on which model of um, zone measuring you, you, you're referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds sound, yes. I, I did a lot of really low heart rate training in 2014-15, training yep. for Coastal Challenge Costa Rica, and definitely it does really pay off. I did it for about six months um, and then carried on as yep. well. And by the end of it, I was running like yep. nine and a half minute miles at 140 beats per yep. minute, which I cannot do now. No. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, right. I would love to get back to that. <laughs> cool. Cool. Thank you. Um, oh, David Thompson's just arrived. He said he put a patron in the uh, a question in the patron group. Um, let me just get that there. Unless you want to write it down for us here, David. Um, we've probably got time just for one more question for Tim. Um, let me just get the patron group up. Um, see if it's Facebook or patron. I've got it. Just on a basic, simple speed oh. sessions to incorporate into a hundred mile plan. Um, yeah, so uh, speed work is still... Oh, let's just um, read the question out here. Is it uh, just on basic, simple speed sessions? Um, uh, yeah, would you incorporate some speed sessions into a 100-miler plan? Yeah, so I would incorporate strides, definitely. So either hill strides, flat strides, working on that running mechanics, you're running efficiency... In terms of longer efforts, for a 100 miler, I'd be working on more sort of tempo. So it might be, I think you just said there, you were doing some, some mile repeats. It really depends on what intensity you're talking about. Um, if you're a long way from your race date, so if you're several months away from your race date, you could be doing some 
much faster threshold efforts, VO2 max efforts, things like that. As you get closer to the more race specific build, that's going to drop down to more tempo efforts. So maybe kind of eight minutes, 10 minutes, 15, maybe even 20 minutes, sort of stronger running. But in those sort of early phases of a 100 mile plan, yes, a little bit of speed work would be very, very useful. So it could be, you know, some short efforts, like say some strides. It could be the sort of two to three minute efforts um, and then stretching out to maybe sort of four or five minute efforts at around threshold, but then shifting the emphasis as you work through the, the training plan later on into more tempo efforts. Okay, well, I hope that answers your question, David. And thank you very much, Tim, for, for the no late worries. entry. <laughs> yeah, apologies about my uh, my dodgy internet connection. <laughs> Hopefully that's coming across on the recording okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure everyone can put up with a little bit of glitching. Um, that's the beauty of a live live chat, and, it's just really, and we're just really grateful that you're here um, to talk to us, Tim. Um, no so um, for anyone who's just joining us now, um, we're, we're about to end. Sorry about that, but you can watch this again. And if you've got any questions, type them in the YouTube comments below. Um, basically, the announcement is that I don't have the required races within the time frame of 2020 to 2022 to do the Lakeland 100 this year. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do that this year. Um, but I will be doing the 50. So I think next month's chat should be about how to get... Um, a 50 that qualifies you to do a 100 miler because a lot of them not all of them but a lot of them that I've been looking at say that you've got to do a 50 mile race in either under 15 or 16 hours so I think um, next time mm. we should have a chat about how to qualify for your first 100 by doing one of these 50 mile races and, and how you just get that little bit of quickness and just it's nice to end on a on a speed work question there um how you get that little bit of speed in because i'm a i'm a plodder definitely <laughs> so even doing the late than 50 in 16 right. hours is going to be a challenge yeah cool we'll talk about that next time cool so just let everyone know how they can find you and um just what services you provide if, if anybody wants to take this a little bit further and and get the best out of their performance yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. It's where I do most of the, the sports side of things. Um, so that's Tim Piggott, HP3. Um, the website is hp-3.co.uk. Um, and yeah, if you need any help with, with training plans or any support with coaching, then give me a shout. There's obviously myself and I've got a couple of other coaches in terms of the endurance coaching. We've got Morgan who can sort out strength and conditioning coaching for you. We've got Amy, our sports psychologist, if you need any help there. We've got Liz and Howard, our sports nutritionists. So we've got a, a range of people and services that can help you, yeah, get the best out of yourself. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time here today, Tim. Oh. Um, uh, I have made a list of the um, the top UK 100 milers. So if people want to become a patron, then I will make that available somehow. I'm going to try and do it now um, to everyone because it is a very useful list. Um, yeah, and I will be picking one to do after doing the Lakeland 50. But let's focus on that now for the next part of the year. Cool. Okay. Thanks very no. much, Tim. And um, we shall meet no soon. Worries. Yep. Cheers. See you later. Bye, everyone. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.